Good morning. It's good to see you all. Appreciate um, your attendance. We slowly picking up in our attendance. We uh, look forward to this time of the year when our snowbirds start to flutter back down this way. And uh, it's good to see you all here. It's good to have visitors with us as well. We appreciate you coming and being a part of our worship service this morning. We seek to serve God as he has commanded us to do in the New Testament. That is our aim and our goal as Christians, as disciples of Christ, to follow after him and to do those things that he has told us to do. Thank you all again for being here very much. I wanted to start this morning by reminding us about a man. There was a man who was a leader of the Israelites. This man would lead them into the promised land. Remember, we, we've been talking recently in our, in our Wednesday night Bible class about Abraham. And we have mentioned over and over again this promise that was made to Abraham. That God told him, from you I'm going to make a great nation and a great land, and through your seed all nations will be blessed. And part of that is leading them into the promised land. That promise that was made so many years ago, this man is going to actually lead the children of Israel into that promised land. This man possessed some very outstanding characteristics. Some of them made him a great leader among men which is obvious once you realize, if you haven't already, who this man is. Great characteristics that made him a good leader. But more importantly, they made him a faithful servant of God. God had charged him with this task of leading the children of Israel into the promised land, and he was an obedient and faithful servant to God. And at the end of his life, he made a very bold stand. And of course, if you haven't figured it out already, that man was Joshua. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be looking back and forth throughout the book of Joshua as the main part of our text. I encourage you to, to turn there and, look, uh, and follow along with us as we go. But as I mentioned, at the end of his life, he's going to make a very strong stand. And I appreciate the song leader leading that song of his own volition. Not that I encourage him to lead that song at all. He had no idea that the title of this lesson was Dare to Stand Like Joshua. See, Joshua is a good example of, of a strong man, of a strong, faithful man. So we're going to look this morning at some things that talk about his characteristics, his leadership, and his service to God. In full disclosure, I will tell you that about a year ago, I brought a lesson on a Sunday night about Joshua. And some of the points I'm going to make today to a little larger audience are some of the same points I made then about his characteristics and, and his, uh, his leadership abilities and his service to God. But when we get to the end, I want to make a little bit more about, uh, a little bit more application about this stand that Joshua took. So when we get there, we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that and make a, make a little bit more application and a different application than I did last time when it comes to Joshua. So what are some things that we can learn about Joshua? Well, we can understand, start off by looking at that Joshua was a humble servant. He assisted Moses 
during their wandering in the wilderness. If you look at a couple of passages, like in Exodus chapter 24 and verse 13, it says, So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. See, Joshua served Moses as Moses was leading the children of Israel. So here's a man who is uh, seeing what leadership is all about as he is helping Moses as, as during Moses' time of leading the children of Israel. But there's going to come a time when it's going to be Joshua's time to take over the reins, to take over the helm. And if you're there in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant. So see, here, here is the handing off of the baton, if you would. There was a time when, when Joshua served Moses, but now Moses is dead. Remember the, the great um, uh, consequence for Moses' sin when he, when he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And God says, because you've done this, you're not going to see the promised land. So we get to the, the end of uh, the book of Deuteronomy there. We see that Moses does indeed pass away before... He's able to enter into the promised land. But here's Joshua now. Joshua's going to take over the helm. He's already served under Moses. He already is a humble servant, serving Moses. But God's going to promote him because the, uh, he remains humble. Even, even in his promotion, he's going to remain humble. So here he is as a servant of Moses. Now God has appointed him to lead the children of Israel. But we see in him the humble servant attitude throughout. He's going to keep that. And that's something that we can hold on to in our own lives and understand. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. So, you know, for us as humans, for us as men, you know, we might say, wow, God's going to exalt me. You know, we might put that, that ten, 10 star right there on our chest and say, look, you know, God has exalted me. But we know Joshua better than that, don't we? We know that he's going to be a humble servant to God. He's not going to let this go to his head. In chapter 4 of Joshua, in verse 14, it says, now, and on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua. So there it is. God says, I'm going to do it. And the next chapter, he does. I'm going to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so that they, may, uh, so that they revered him just as they had revered Moses all the days of his life. So remember, Moses, here he is. Now he had his uh, problems to overcome as he's leading the children of Israel. But the people in general terms, followed after him as he led them out of Egypt and through the wanderings in the wilderness and up to the edge of the promised land. The Bible says they revered him. God says, now I'm going to exalt you, Joshua, and the people are going to revere you just as they did Moses in his day. Look in chapter 5 of Joshua. <clears throat> Chapter 5, beginning verse 13, says, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. 
And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. We see in Joshua this humble attitude, don't we? Here's this one that's standing before you. Obviously, this is an angel of the Lord who's standing before him. But he falls down and says, what can I do? I'm a servant of God. What is it that I can do? So even though God had exalted him, he was still willing to be subservient to those who were higher than him. Again, human terms here, we might think, well, you know, God has exalted me. I'm going to go and do what I think is right. Because remember, they, they're going to have to battle their way into the land, right? They have these battles that they're, going to, that they're going to incur, and it's going to be up to Joshua to lead the people. In human terms, Joshua might say, well, I, you know, I've been exalted. I'm, here I go. We don't see that in him. We see an attitude that he is willing to be subservient to those who are of a higher rank than him. He didn't take advantage of his position or his anointing by God. He didn't take advantage of that. He remained humble in his service. And even in his humility, even though he is humble and he has this mind of humble service, we see in Joshua that he was also a man of action. If you remember about Joshua back in Numbers chapter 13, that He's going to be one of those that were sent into the land to spy it out. Remember the uh, accounts there that took place? He's one of the 12 that went into the land to spy it out. And of those 12, only two men came back. Only he and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, had the faith to give an accurate report when they came back to report about what they had seen in the promised land. And we remember the events that transpired from that. God was angry with the people of Israel. And that's because of the events that are taking place right here. They're going to be forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Remember that? One year for each day that the spies were in the land spying it out. That was the punishment for their unfaithfulness. But he demonstrated, Joshua demonstrated that he was not going to be subject to peer pressure. He's in a minority, him and Caleb, the two against the ten. But he showed that he was not going to be persuaded by peer pressure. It had to be enormous. Not just these spies, but the, when the children of Israel started to grumble based on this bad report. But rather, he and Caleb said that they should indeed go in and take the land. Why? Because God had promised it to them. All the way back to Abraham. God says, this is the land that's going to be yours one day. So Caleb and, and Joshua say, this is what God has promised. Why do we think he's not going to deliver? So we should indeed go into the land. We read there in the beginnings of, of Joshua chapter 1, where God commissions Joshua to take over the reins. And he tells him over and over to what? To take courage. To be strong. Because this is the duties that you're going to have. 
as you lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Tells them to be strong and courageous as they do, as they go in to take the land. Notice in verses 10 and 11, go back to Joshua chapter 1. Look in verses 10 and 11. So again, the first nine verses, God has, has, has commissioned Joshua, told him to be strong and courageous. Look in verse 10. It says, Then Joshua commanded the officer of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days, three days, you're going to cross the Jordan, and to go in to possess the land which the Lord God is giving to you to possess it. Now, God has handed over the reins, and immediately... Joshua puts into action what God has trusted, entrusted him to do. God says, take them into the promised land. What does Joshua do? People, get ready. Within three days, we're going. Now, you may think, well, okay, three days. But think about it. They'd waited 40 years to do this. 40 years to do this. Now Joshua says, in three days, we're going to do it. He was a man of action. And why was he? Because he had his faith. He had his service to God to draw on. Now God has spoken to him and said, this is what you're going to do. Commissioned him. But he had the faith to carry it through. So not only does this show Joshua to be a man of action, but it also shows that Joshua was a man of faith. Look over in chapter 6 of Joshua. You know, I mentioned that they're going to have to battle their way into the land and throughout the land. One of those battles is the conquest of Jericho. Famous one, right? Sing a song about it. Lots of songs about it, actually. Look here in chapter 6. Let's read a little bit. Let's read verses 1 through 5 of Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. What does that tell us? That tells us that the people there knew about these people, Right? And they knew that God was with them. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king and all its valiant warriors. And you shall march around the city, all the men with their war circling, uh, with their war, men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So here's the plan. Here's the battle plan God has, has set forth for taking of Jericho. This is what you're going to do. Here's the battle plan, Joshua. Notice what is said in verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and valiant warriors. So the battle's done, right? I have given. That's past tense. God says, I've given it to your hand. So why the rest of the instruction? It's because of this reason. It was a foregone conclusion that they were going to capture the city. Why? Because God was with them, right? This is God's promise. 
God says, I'm going to give you this land. And the people there are going to be put down. And you're going to inhabit their land. So this is part of God's plan. This is why the people had their doors shut up tight. Because the rumors of this had obviously gotten around. But notice what's going to happen here. Joshua is going to carry out the instructions anyway. We remember reading the story, right? When they marched around the city. On the seventh day, they blew the horn. Marched around seven times and the, the walls came tumbling down, right? As we sing in that song. Joshua was a man of faith. The Hebrew writer fills in the gap. In chapter 11, verse 30, says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. So why was it that the, that the walls fell down? Was there something about their marching around that they had, they had such an impact on the earth that the walls came, fall, came ta- falling down? There's a lot of people, but I don't think there's that many people. The Hebrew writer tells us it was by faith that the walls came down. That tells us about Joshua's faith, doesn't it? Because God said, Joshua, I've given Jericho into your hands. And Joshua said, okay, walked out of the meeting. And said, okay, let's go take the city. No, he did what God told him to do. Why? Because, God, because Joshua was a man of faith. Because God told him this is what you've got to do, and Joshua did it. He understood that it was a foregone conclusion, but he did what God asked him anyway. Joshua's faith led him to do what God and Moses had told him to do. Moses, remember, Joshua was in service to Moses. He was also in service to God after the reins had been turned over to him. In chapter 11 of Joshua, verse 15, it says, Just as the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua. And so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua took over the reins. And everything that Moses had been told to do that Joshua needed to carry on, that's what he did. And he also did the things that God had told him to do, including capture the city of Jericho. Joshua was a man of faith. But not only a man of faith, Joshua was also a prayerful man. So we have the, uh, the accounts there of them taking Jericho. And we won't read through all of that for the sake of time, but if you remember, even though they successfully defeated Jericho, there was one man named Achan who took some of the treasures, some of the spoils, if you will. And he took them into his own house, into his own tent. And the instructions had been not to take anything. There was a ban placed on the spoils of war. And they were not to take anything, but this man Achan did. And as a result, the next battle they went into was the battle at Ai. Remember what happened there? They were defeated. See, the faith starting to break down here, right? Because they were told something not to do, and this one man did it, and they suffered because of it. Look over in chapter 7 of Joshua. So this is after they'd been defeated at Ai. Joshua chapter 7, beginning in verse 6. 
says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on, the, on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why dost thou ever bring this people over to the Jordan only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? If only we had been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say since Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut off the name from the earth. And what wilt thou do for thy great name? What do we see Joshua doing here? He fell down to his face and he prayed to the Almighty God. This was not a small thing. This was a very serious thing. And we see Joshua being very prayerful. Wondering what's going to happen. Petitioning God to help them. He's distraught. And he prays to God. But God's going to answer his prayer. And he's going to tell him that they've got to get rid of those things that this, this man Achan took. You've got to get rid of those things. And until they did, they were going to keep being defeated. Until they purged this sin out from amongst them. And they did so. Remember the accounts that happened there goes on to tell us about Joshua confronting Achan, and Achan said, yes, I took the things. And the people of Israel stoned him to death. So they rooted out the evil that was amongst them. But then all, in all this, we see how prayerful Joshua was and petitioning his God to help them in their time of distress. Finally, we see in Joshua a man who put God first. At the end of his life, he's going to address the children of Israel. He's going to remind them of all the things that God had done for them. All the way back to the promise that was originally made to Abraham. How he has delivered them now to this land Remember how the land is described? Flowing with milk and honey. He reminds them that all has got, that God has done for them. And he wants them not to disobey God. Look over in chapter 23 of Joshua. As he's giving this farewell address to the people. Chapter 23, verse 14 beginning says, Now behold, today I am going the way of the earth, and you know in all your hearts and with all your souls that not one word of the good words which the Lord God has spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you, not one of them has failed. And it shall come about that just as the good words which the Lord God spoke to you have come upon you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he has destroyed from you uh, destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord has given to you. When you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which he has given to you. So what does he say here? 
saying, look, God has given you all these good things. You keep his word, then you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to dwell in this land. But if you don't, if you disobey, if you go and serve other gods, he's going to cut you off from this land. So there's consequences for doing evil. There's consequences in not obeying the word of God. He's going to go on in chapter 24 to deliver those, those famous words that we know so well. Look down in verse 14 and 15. So after he has told the, the children of Israel that he, if you do well, God will be pleased and he will bless you. And if you do wrong, he's going to punish you. So we get down to chapter 24, verse 14. It says, Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. You see, Joshua had come to a point in his life where he took a stand, right? He said, I have told you that, and I have shown you all the good things that God has done. And look at the land that you're standing in. God has given this to you. Now, if you want to go and serve the other gods that your forefathers had served... And do the things and, and the abominations thereof, fine. You go do that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. You see in Joshua a man that put God first, and he's going to continue to do that. As clear by what he just says. Just said. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve the Lord. From this point forward, he was not going to be swayed by others. Remember, all the way back in his, uh, we first meet Joshua as he's part of the twelve that go in to spy out the land. He's not going to be influenced by the, by the majority. He's going to be influenced by what is right. So he's not going to be swayed by others, by outside influences, or by idolatry. He's going to do what's right in the sight of God. So these others, whatever you want to do, you go do that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. So in Joshua, we see all these attributes in him, these characteristics of him, how he was a humble servant. Even still, he was a man of action. God had passed the mantle to him, and he took it, and he ran with it. And he did what God told him to do, and he always did it in faith. And we, all, we see him being prayerful in his leadership as well, falling down on his face and praying to his God, asking for counsel. And we see a man who put God first. I had lunch with Devin recently. We get to catch up on things. 
check in on each other's lives, see how we're doing. Jaw, that's what we used to call it. Jaw a little bit, talk about things, talk about politics. This came up. Devin brought up about Joshua. I think what he said was, I have a little bit more uh, understanding. It's probably, probably not the word he used, but uh, uh, a little bit more understanding about Joshua in, in today's world. And we were talking about politics and how we're in this hyper-partisan and charged environment where people are getting pulled in so many different directions and deceit and all these things that are going on. And it reminded him, and it reminded me, after the fact, of Joshua. Joshua wasn't swayed by all that. Joshua wasn't swayed by the other ten spies who talked about the giants and, and these large cities in the land. They weren't going to be able to, to defeat them. Joshua wasn't swayed by the idolatry that was so pervasive throughout their history. He stood for what was right. Good lessons in that for us today, right? Lots of influence around us, lots of things being, lots of people and other issues trying to pull us in all these different directions. We need to stand for the truth. We need to stand for what's right. In God's eyes, governments are going to come and go. Politicians are going to come and go. Bosses are going to come and go. God's unchanging. So we come down to the question of, do we have the faith to stand like Joshua? Do we have the faith to make that strong stand in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of partisanship, in the midst of a declining society? I'll put to you, brethren, that if you want to See an example of how to stand up to all that. Think about what we just talked about this morning. Think about Joshua. Think about the life that he led. Think about the charge that he was put under to lead the children of Israel. They weren't an easy group of people to lead. They had their rebellions all along the way, remember? We, we looked at one right there with Achan. What did God call them? Stubborn and stiff-necked. God knew these people. Yet he trusted Joshua to lead them. Joshua stood up in, the monks, uh, in amongst all of that and was a faithful servant to God. So can we be. We can be faithful servants to God in amongst the world that we live in. Times are tough right now. We put our faith in God and our trust in him. He'll see us through. And there is a promised land waiting for us. A land indeed flowing with milk and honey for us as well. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to think about some of the things we talked about this morning, about being a servant of God, about living a life in service to God. And that starts by becoming a child of God. And that means you have to be a disciple of Christ. And there's only one way to do that, and that's through the waters of baptism. There's no other way in which we come in contact with the blood of our Lord except through the waters of baptism. If you haven't put on Christ, I would encourage you to do so. If as a child of God you're not standing firm as you should, I would encourage you to do that. Make that strong stand in your own life. Stand like Joshua. 
Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.